today I get to talk to you again about the Holy Spirit. One Spirit, many gifts is our topic today. Let me start with kind of an introduction, but um, some things that the Lord showed me this morning. I, I want you to participate with me if you can for just a moment. Say, the Spirit gives us sight. Awesome, you guys are sharp. The Spirit gives us insight. You like that? Two words, two different things, but let me tell you what the Lord showed me this morning. For far too long, or at least for the past few decades, the American church has removed the Holy Spirit from the conversation. And what they've been doing by doing that is remove the power that, goes, that God gave the church. The power to change lives, the power to see miracles, the power for ministry. When we remove the Holy Spirit, it is the agent. He is God that has been left, the deposit for the church that Jesus gave the disciples, that Jesus gave the church. The month of May is our birthday month here at Greater Life, but more importantly, the month of May holds within it the day of Pentecost, which is the birthday of the church. When the Holy Spirit was given to the apostles in the upper room on that day, 2,000 plus years ago. It was the Holy Spirit that enabled them, that anointed them, that appointed them to go out into their community to preach, teach, and to see miracles happen. The Spirit gives sight and the Spirit gives insight. <clears throat> Let me start with the Spirit gives sight spiritually. Jesus talked to a man named Nicodemus about salvation, what it looks like. He described that it looks like being born again. In essence, when we do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, spiritually, we are dead. We do not have life. And what happens is, is when we receive the gift of salvation, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is placed within us as a deposit of what is to come. So God is spirit, and now he has awoken your spirit, now alive in Christ, and that is the way we can communicate, we can experience, we can see the spirit realm. Here's the important thing. The world that is not believers upon Lord, the Lord Jesus are blind to the spirit realm. They talk about vibes. They talk about feelings. They talk about senses. They talk about horoscopes. They talk about all of these things that are just fraudulent foolish attempts by the enemy to duplicate what God does in the Spirit. When you're alive, the Spirit gives you sight spiritually. You can see a situation. You can see even a person. You can see a decision through a spiritual lens and now be led by the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, the best advice you can get comes from God through the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit gives sight spiritually. Something I've been dealing with here lately in my 35th year of life is, <laughs> as I have my 25-year-old daughter here. Are you 25 yet? 24-year-old daughter here. <laughs> Something I've been dealing with lately is having to wear stupid reading glasses. And so last night as I'm making brownies, 
And uh, I know Julia Child up here, and I was making brownies, and I was reading the box, y'all, and it had a picture of an egg, and it had a number beside it. And I couldn't tell what the number was, but I knew that the egg was present. So I had to make a decision. Either I just kind of, however, egg, how many eggs I need. Now, I don't do brownies a lot, so however many eggs I can put in there, whatever that might be, I'll just kind of play it by ear. I could have done that, or I could have asked for help from someone that could see. So I called over Abigail, and I said, how many eggs does it say? She told me one egg. I said, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Because I was about to put like three eggs in there, and we were going to have scrambled chocolate. You know, it was just, oh, it's going to be bad. Anyway, so many times we have access as a believer to the insight, to the sight of the Holy Spirit so we could see things differently, yet we fail to ask. We just say, let's put three eggs in there and hope for the best. But how many of you guys understand that when we tap into the leading and the guiding and the sight that comes from the Holy Spirit, it keeps us out of trouble a lot. It keeps us from making a fool of ourselves and, can I just say, a fool of the cross in the process. Wait, I thought you were a believer on Jesus. Why are you doing that? The Spirit gives us insight. In John chapter 15, 15, Jesus is telling his disciples, guess what? You're not a slave. I've called you friends. And in Luke, Jesus is telling the disciples, listen, slaves don't know the plan of the master, but you're friends, and so you know the plan. And so here's what the Holy Spirit does for us. It gives us insight to the plans of the Father and the kingdom here on earth, and we're able to be used to accomplish those purposes. We're not walking around or called to walk around blindly, hoping that we fall into God's favor. If we just listen to the insight given by the Holy Spirit, we will find ourselves walking in the favor of the living God. I'd like to use one more crass illustration if I can. I have a little dog at home, and it's a wiener dog, and his name is Romeo. And he's supposed to weigh 10 pounds, but he weighs 20, and so he's, he's, but he's fine. He's happy. He's, he's happy. The, the poor guy, he, he cannot hear at all, and he's got this glossy thing on his eyes, so I don't even know if he can see, really. So he can't hear me, so when it's time to go somewhere, I'll just get his, I'll just do this. But he understands that, you know. <laughs> he trots along. I've been, I've been lately, I've been calling him Dummy-O because he really, he'll just bark. And, and I don't know why he does it, but he stands in the middle of the room and he just takes off barking like he is going to attack something. Scared us at the beginning. Now we're just like, really, would you stop? What's going on here? I, and I think, I don't know, and it's not, it's not a funny thing. I'm being serious. I'm being serious, even though you're going to laugh at this. I think he's got dementia. He forgets he's alive and he has to bark a lot and then, oh, okay, I'm, I'm here, I'm present. So I can call him Dementio. Um, anyway, this poor dog, he doesn't hear me, so he's okay. Uh, the point is the dog, walking the dog. You point the dog in a direction and they walk. 
And then you point them in another direction and they walk. They have no reason why they're going that direction. They just know that the master pointed them that way. And how many of you guys uh, understand that a dog with more experience begins to know his surroundings and they begin to know where they're going and why they're going there, right? But in the beginning days and in new territory that God, I believe, is calling all of us to, we're not supposed to sit still in the kingdom of God. The Christian walk is just that. It's a walk. It's a journey. And so when we find ourselves stagnant in Christ, we, we need to be shaken by the Spirit again. So I want to be led by the Spirit, by the Master. I want Him to point me in the direction I'm supposed to go and go that way. And then when it's time for me to go another way, Holy Spirit, lead me. Give me insight so I can know where I'm going. And the more I walk with the Spirit, the more I can hear His voice a little bit more clearly and a little bit more readily so I can be led by Him even more effectively so I'm not walking around confused. But I'm almost in tune I've often prayed this for Greater Life Church, that God help us not to be ahead of you or behind you, but in sync with you. And he's been faithful to bring us along that path. Before I get too far, let's pray. Lord, thank you for today, for these people. May your hand be upon us, open our eyes, open our hearts. Teach us. Teach us today by the power of your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week was a very preachy message. I hooted and hollered and jumped and all kind of things. This week I'm going to teach you, I think, hopefully, about the Holy Spirit. It's a confusing topic, and I'll tell you why, because a lot of churches are teaching some wacky stuff. So I want to do the best I can to simplify and to bring you along in a place, and I'm going somewhere because next Sunday I'm going to be preaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to go into a worship night called the soaking, in which our whole focus is to allow the Holy Spirit to move, and we're going to believe God for healings and miracles and restoration and for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So part of that is that adults need to understand more before they can accept. You see, I was a kids pastor for 15 years, and it was way easier. Jesus said, in order to inherit the kingdom of God, you must become like a child. You know why he said that? Because they have faith that's untarnished and completely doubt-free. You know, if mom, dad, you tell that little Johnny and Sally, we're going to go to McDonald's and get you, get you a hamburger, then they believe you. They do not have the experience of life that says that when you go to McDonald's, sometimes, sometimes it's closed, or sometimes the line is too long, sometimes you got to go somewhere else. Or maybe you told little Johnny that you're going to go get ice cream at McDonald's, and they haven't been around long enough to know that the ice cream machines at McDonald's don't work. <laughs> but you and I do, we have that instant doubt, oh, what if the ice cream machine's not working? Can I tell you something? I believe, and I hope, and I pray that you would kind of put your adult reservations aside for the sake of what the Scripture says about the Holy Spirit. It's going to be in here black and white, John chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate 
to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you and before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Verse 25 says, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Number one, what is the gift of the Spirit? Jesus lays this out in John chapter 14. Peace, leadership, guidance, teaching, an abiding friend, someone who shows that you're loved by the Father. All of this is connected to one thing, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, none of it is possible. You see, Jesus was telling them, I'm going away, but I'm not leaving you as orphans. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is now the presence of God here on earth. I don't know how else to say it any more clearly. The Holy Spirit is God operating in the earth. What is the gift of the Spirit? First of all, it's the gateway gift. Upon salvation, friends, we believe that the deposit is put within you, and that is the Holy Spirit. Now you are alive in Christ. But we also believe that there is a work, there is a gift, there is something given beyond that, a baptism that flows from the throne. It is the gateway gift that opens the door to all other gifts of the Spirit. One Spirit, many gifts. It is the abiding gift, the comforter, the advocate, the teacher. The Holy Spirit is all of these things for the believer. Number two, why do we need spiritual gifts? Why do we need spiritual gifts? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I do not want you to misunderstand this. Paul was a very no-holds-barred kind of preacher. And, and a little bit more accurate translation of this is ignorant, not misinformed. And if I could add a little bit of flavor to that, I want to teach you about the spiritual gifts so you're not stupid about the spiritual gifts. Can I, can I, be, can I be that bold? You know, because can I tell you something? People, even in those days, was manipulating and, and, and twisting the words of Jesus and even the gifts of the Spirit for their own personal gain. And Paul was saying, don't be stupid. Let me tell you what these things are for and what they are. And in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 2, it says, You know that when you were still pagans, 
You were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. What and why do we need spiritual gifts? First of all, spiritual gifts point to Jesus. Make no mistake, it's all about Jesus. It always has been, it always will be. He is the Savior of the world. He is the Word of God that, that was there and present in creation. He, he, he made a fully God, fully man, put on flesh so you and I could have a relationship with the Father. Make no mistake, it is all about Jesus. But how do we get to Jesus? By the Spirit. The Spirit enables us, teaches us, brings us, draws us, walks with us, points to Jesus. Spiritual gifts aren't supposed to point to some preacher somewhere. Spiritual gifts are not supposed to point to you as a believer. Spiritual gifts are to point to Jesus. And when anything other than that is happening, then the spiritual gift is pointed in the wrong direction. Verse 7 says a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Friends, let me tell you something. Something missed in, missing in the church today is believers helping one another. i tell you something that's present is believers beating up on each other. Yeah? Spiritual gifts equip us to help one another. They equip us to help one another. If the Father gave the Spirit to the church to build up the body of Christ, then why are we using spiritual gifts or manipulating spiritual gifts for any other purpose? It's not to build our bank account or our prowess or our influence. It's to build the body of Christ, which is the church. Which, by the way, if you hate the church, you hate the body of Christ. And if you hate the body of Christ, you hate Jesus. The, the, the two are the same. Are churches flawed and messed up? Yes. But that's because Jesus uses people. You with me? I may even made somebody mad here today. I'm sorry. Spiritual gifts equip us to help one another. The third thing, spiritual gifts accomplish ministry. Accomplish ministry. The gifts of the Spirit all move us forward for the sake of the kingdom and the work of the ministry. Number three, what are the spiritual gifts? Before I get to the spiritual gifts and what they are in the text as I read it, I want to differentiate between the fruit and the gifts. In Galatians 5.22, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, can I just tell you something? From this preacher who is human to you, I don't really get excited about the fruit of the Spirit. Gentle, kind, patient, ugh. 
But how many of you guys understand part of walking with Jesus is becoming less and less like the person that you want to be and more and more and more about the person he wants you to be, amen? And Jesus said that you will be known by your fruit. And so if you've got rotten fruit, then you're known by that, and that certainly isn't the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is evidence or should be upon salvation, and you begin to walk in that. If there is no fruit, maybe there is no change. And if there is no change, then salvation and eternity may not look very different. Amen? So the fruit of the spirits are the fruit of the spirit are these things, these attributes. So I would say that the fruit of the spirit is something you are, but the gifts of the spirit is something you do. Make sense? I know this person and they're a very kind person. I know this person, they're a very patient person. But the gifts is, I know this person and they really operate in the gift of healing. Or they really have the gift of faith. So we're talking about operation. The nine spiritual gifts as listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10, just to list them for you. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. At the risk of taking too much time, I would like to just clarify what these gifts are. Wisdom. Wisdom is just knowing something that you really shouldn't know on your own, but God has helped you know something. An example would be in my kids' pastor years, as I was barely cutting my teeth in ministry and someone would walk in that they had been parenting their kids way longer than I had or they had life experience much more than I had. Hey, pastor, I need to ask you a question. What about this situation? And I would sense I've been given a word for them. Now, I wouldn't say, hey, the Lord says. But I'd say, hey, maybe this would be a good way to approach that. And then they would, oh, I never thought of it that way. I didn't realize it until after all of it had happened. But I was like, wow. The Holy Spirit gave me wisdom beyond my years, beyond my experience, and that, friends, is the gift of wisdom. Amen? The gift of knowledge or a word of knowledge. Now, this is where you're in a, a prayer setting or something, or you're feeling led to tell someone something, which, by the way, be very careful when you say, God told me to tell you, be very, because you need to be accountable for that. However, that's the gift of knowledge. Hey, I have a word for you. And what you should do is if anybody ever does that to you is go back and pray on it. Most of the time, a gift of knowledge or a word of knowledge given to you is something that you already know in here. That God has already spoken to you and now it's been confirmed by an outside source. Like, Uh-oh, Holy Spirit's got my number. Faith, the gift of faith. It's the gift of believing for more than is common. So sometimes it's one of those things that, that nobody else can believe that you can do that. <laughs> nobody else believes that you can accomplish that. Nobody else believes that you can be called to that. But the gift of faith is something that wells up inside you and say, I can do it in Jesus. Amen. There are people that you need in your life that have the gift of faith. That when everybody else says no way, they're saying yes way. Because God. Amen? I'll give you an illustration. Pastor Paul is here from our Nepali congregation, and, and I've actually got some pictures that uh, Amit Sundas, who is in India right now, sent me 
just this morning. This is our Sunday morning service. We actually do have a GLC India, believe it or not, and here it is. They just started a couple of months ago, and now they've got 20, 25 folks in there. There's three pictures up there. Just scroll through those. They're having church in India because our Nepali congregation raised money to send to them to supply this for them. Do I have three pictures? No? Just look at that one three times. Okay. There's my brother ministering in the Lord. That's not Amit, but that's someone there as a part of the church. Praise God. Let's thank God for what he's doing in India through Greater Life Church. Amen. See, that's a gift of faith that you look at a, a room full of people and say, I believe we can raise thousands of dollars to start a church in India. And Pastor Paul, thank you for being faithful to that and your congregation. We matched them and we sent that money and man, they're doing something. Praise God. The gift of faith, the gift of healing. Gift of healing, the most simply put, is that more often than not, when you pray for people to be healed, they do get healed. <laughs> it's a good indicator, right? I believe that every believer should be praying for healing. But it, when you're walking in the gift of healing, it's something unique that it happens more often than not in your ministry. Miracles is the same way. Miracles has a unique side to it. You're walking some property somewhere and saying, I believe God's given me this. That's a miracle. You're, 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 you're uh, walking into a place and I believe God's going to show me the person to talk to. Well, God is going to open that door and give you a miracle. It may have nothing to do with healing and it may. Gift of miracles, uh, missionaries operate in this often. It's a missionary that stands in front of a tree, which is, this is a story, by the way, in, uh, in uh, Ireland, I believe it was, there was a missionary that went into this place where the Druids were worshiping this tree because there was something in the tree that they had attached their God to. And the missionary stands there, uh, uh, him against the shaman, praying a prayer. And the shaman calls down judgment on this missionary and the tree begins to fall on the missionary. And the missionary, by faith and by power, prays, puts his hands up and begins to pray in the Spirit. And that tree not only turns the other way, but flies the other way away from him. That's a gift. That's a miracle. Something amazing. And the, but the reason is, is because it points to Jesus. Now the whole village is getting saved. Amen? Because they saw the power was not in that tree. The power is in the Spirit. Prophecy, prophecy, discernment, prophecy. Now listen, there's some confusion about this word prophecy. Is it prophecy where I tell you something is going to happen in the future? Some people say that prophesies to speak positively over people and, and, and preaching is prophesying. I like to believe that it's a little bit of both. I do believe that there's a gift of prophecy that people can operate in. I believe this is going to happen in your church. I believe this is going to happen in your life. But here again, church, be careful because the scripture says that the test of a prophet is whether it comes true or not. Right? Do you know the penalty if it doesn't? It's Old Testament. Just take it where you will. <laughs> it's not good. But I don't want, you, I don't want to scare anybody. <laughs> If you want to come up and see me after and prophesy, go right ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll use the next gift, discernment, <laughs> to figure that one out. Discernment really is, and it's a gift my wife has operated in. She, she, by the way, she's sick today, and she stayed home. 
And you need to pray for her because, man, I am the worst caregiver ever. I am just not good at it. Discernment is knowing something's up. That person's a little, I'm not sure about. What they said is a little, I'm not sure about. It's a gift. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. The two go hand in hand. Tongues here is not speaking of the gift of the, that you get when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about tongues next week. But tongues is something in a public setting where someone speaks out in tongues. Interpretation follows that in the public setting. And when it doesn't, it's not biblical. And if you've been around greater life before and you've been around long enough, you know that when those things happen, we stand up here, we say, this is where it comes from, 1 Corinthians 12. This is what we operate in. This is what we're believing God to show you. And every time that I've seen it happen, it's always been a message that lines up with the message of the day because that's how God is. Secondly, we look at the seven spiritual gifts, and some of them are duplicate. Romans chapter 12, prophecy, faith, serving other or helps, teaching, encouragement, giving or generosity, leadership, and kindness. The third one is the gifts of the offices. So if you're keeping notes, you have nine, seven, and offices in your blanks. The gifts of the offices. This is found in Ephesians. There's a whole lot of buzz around the five-fold ministry, which talks about the offices and ministry. They are apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers, and teachers. And I, and I certainly, that's awesome. But let me come down here and share something with you. If you have to put apostle in front of your name, then I'm walking the other way. It, it, it is a gift. It is a Holy Spirit given thing. If you have to put prophet in front of your name, I'm, I'm gonna really listen hard to what you say and make sure it's okay. And I saw in a meeting one time, and it broke my heart, I saw in a meeting one time where, where there was a, a prophet that said, come down for a word, and, and this is the $1,000 line, and this is the $500 line, and this is the $100 line. And I said, oh, Lord, help us. If you're in the $1,000 line, you get to talk to the prophet. If you're in the $500 line, you get to talk to the reverend. If you're in the $100 line, you got to just talk to the minister. If that was me, I wouldn't have made any of those lines. I would have been in the back of the stage yelling, hey, I got something for you. $25. <laughs> I'll give you $25. Just come listen to me for a minute. <laughs> Friend, I'm just saying that because you got to be wary of those things. Now, I'm not saying that everybody out there that had different denominations use different language and vernacular, and that's okay. There was one time that Siri was a new thing. And as I was setting up Siri, Siri said, what do you want me to call you? And I said, wow, Bishop. <laughs> no, no lie. <laughs> no lie. And I think I was around a couple of other peers, and, and this was when I was on staff at another church. And I was around a couple of other peers, and I said, hey, Siri, what, is, what about this? Bishop, da-da-da-da-da-da. Man, what is that? So now they, they all make fun of me and call me that when they see me. Number four, how do I find my spiritual gift? How do I find my spiritual gift? 
Number, uh, the first thing there, you've got to understand that your gifts are unique. God created you. He knows your personality. And I believe that your gifts will be matched up even to your personality. I, I, I do not think someone who already has a sense or already ha- is, is wired in such a way that they have great compassion, that their gift would be something that would be anti to that personality. Does that make sense? I do believe that God stretches us and we realize that, man, maybe I am called to do something greater. But understand that your gifts are unique. The language in Scripture has always been exclusive to the individual when talking about gifts. It is one spirit, many gifts, but when you talk about the body of Christ, it is different parts of the whole. We find ourselves trying to operate in other gifts. We become frustrated. We've got to listen to what God shows us and what spiritual gifts we may operate in naturally or supernaturally by His power. Understand that your gifts develop over time. Maturity in Christ is a journey. The first time you step out in tongues or you step out in knowledge or you give somebody a word, the first time you step out is going to be incredibly uncomfortable. It's going to be a stretch. It's going to take some faith. But the more you use and operate in that gift, the more you develop that gift. It is something that, it is something that, just, that doesn't just happen. It's something that God invests and places within you. It's a gift from the Spirit But it's our opportunity to grow that gift. Which brings me to your giftedness can grow. Your giftedness can grow or even shift for a new assignment. Over the years, I've taken spiritual gifts every couple of years. And here lately, I've, I've kind of got the staff on board to take these spiritual gifts as well. My gifts have changed over the years. Uh, in, the, in the early part of my ministry, the lowest gift that I had was administration. I still don't even know what that word means, but I'm better at it now. I, I score higher on that one now. Thank, thank God. And, and, and so as I feel like these spiritual gifts, the last time I took it, my lowest gift was mercy. So I've always been taught that you should hire people around you that are gifted differently from you. So I went into Moises' office and said, hey man, talk to me about your, your test. What was your lowest gift? He said, mercy. He said, you're fired. <laughs> That's why he's not here today. I'm just kidding. He's on vacation. <laughs> But thank God for Wes, because he makes up the mercy for the rest of us on the team. Understand that your gifts can grow. Just like an athlete or a musician, you may have a certain amount of giftedness in your field, but when you use it and grow and practice, you begin to learn how you could use that gift even better for the Lord. The gift comes from the Spirit, and the Spirit is the source also for growing in our gifts. The parable of the talents should remind us that when we're given something precious by God, we should do something with it to make it grow. Understand finally that your gifts are not to bring pride or discouragement. When we find ourselves comparing to others, we will constantly be disappointed. 
In the same way, when we feel like we are special because God has gifted us in a certain way, there may be a humbling that comes from the Lord. Or, when we feel like we don't have anything and everybody else does, our response should be to God, help me to see where you've gifted me. And we start with what? The gateway gift. The gift that is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The best approach for you and I to be in today is to be content with God's assignment, with our giftedness, and to seek Him for His plan for our life. One final story. Early in my ministry, I was assigned, uh, as I had to get credentials, I was assigned to preach a certain amount of time, times, and, and there was a time I, I preached in a church in Branson, Missouri, and the, the Bible college I went to was in Springfield, and, and I had sought the Lord, and I had determined to myself that, that I wanted to be an evangelist, and I wanted to be a singer. And so I met with an evangelist when they came through, and I said, hey, man, I want to do what you do. What do I need to do? He said, get on staff at a church and learn what they go through, and then think about it. So apparently I... I've never been an evangelist, so it's just, I got on staff and never left. <laughs> but this assignment I had in Branson, I determined in my heart I wanted to be a singer, and I began to pray, God, let me be, uh, let me be gifted in this way, which I, I believe singing is a gift, but I don't know if singing is a spiritual gift. Make sense? I said, well, give me this gift so I can use it, but I wanted to use it so people could look at me, they look at him. He can preach and sing, which, by the way, I wasn't much of a preacher then either. But at the end of the day, I went to this little church in Branson. I did my sermon. I had been given 45 minutes to preach, which is normal. I preached that whole message in about 25 minutes. I stood there in front of those four people. <laughs> and I said, I believe the Lord wants me to sing you a song. No, no track, no music, no nothing. And my precious little wife sitting there just supporting me, just grinning as best she could. I took off into a song that was four minutes long. Never in my life have I been more awkward and those precious little people at the end said that was so good was so good we got in the car Kelly said what in the world are you thinking I said babe I had nothing else to say I flipped over the notes and there was nothing there like I feel led to sing y'all a song <laughs> but listen if there's hope for me, there's hope for you. Amen? <laughs> Keep trusting the Lord to develop your giftedness. Now, I got a resource for you. On the bottom of your note sheets, there's a little QR code. You can go home and take the spiritual gifts test. It will tell you where you are today. And that will also open up your eyes to say, where can I serve in the kingdom, in the body, to be used in the future for the ministry? Take that gifts test, and when you take it, 
It will email us, and then, of course, it will give you the results. And so we want you to take that today, everybody. Take that today, and, and that way when we get it, we can laugh about y'all and how you're gifted all, all week long in, church, in the staff meeting. No, in all seriousness, I believe that you have a gift, and gifts are not to be hoarded. They're to be used for God's glory. Amen? Amen. Use it and allow God to bless you. Finally, I want to leave you with this. This is either going to go over like a lead balloon or you're going to really like it. I've always been taught if you want to help people remember stuff, illustrated sermons are one of the most effective ways to help people remember. I've never been big on illustrated sermons. So I've got something for you. This is a gift. Yeah. <laughs> the lead balloon. <laughs> Pray with me. Bow your heads. Thank you, Jesus. I pray, God, you would help us, Lord, to have a wonderful afternoon. Bring these precious people back next week, ready to learn more and to engage. I pray, God, that you would give us a week this week, Lord, that's covered by your grace, followed by your favor. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to use these gifts for, your, for the sake of the kingdom and for the glory of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.